Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome back to another episode of FanCast where this week we'll be talking about the impact of JT Real Muto. Coming off of a fresh sweep at home versus Colorado Rockies, Phillies look to build on the series on their season and new series in Wrigley Field in Chicago. Let's see what they could do next on this episode of FanCast. Hold up, wait a minute. Y'all thought I was finished. When I bought a ass tomorrow, y'all thought it was winning. Jetting on him. I'm like Papa on his finish. Double M, yeah, that's my team. Rose, this catching on Lieutenant. I'm the type can to me. Casting grind like I'm So, welcome back to FanCast. Um, my name is Isaac, and Mason is here with us today. Mason, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Excited to be back. Sure, for sure. Um, so, coming off of um, a series sweep um, versus the Colorado Rockies, uh, what were your thoughts on the series overall? Yeah, I mean, revenge is uh, just best served um, at home, I guess that would be. That's the thing, right? Um, the Phillies, again, they came to life with uh, a lot more energy that I think we saw um, especially, um, we haven't seen at least until the opening series against the Braves. You know, it's, um, it's Harper starts to click and the team starts to get back on it. You can just see how deadly they can be. I agree for sure. Um, the pitchers in this series, um, albeit were a little disappointing, but boy did our offense show up. And boy did Bryce Harper put on the show. I mean, a 466-foot bomb, which I don't believe was only 466 feet. Was just absolutely mammoth over the batter's eye wall, both walls in the center field. I mean, it was just an absolute bomb. And then the next day, we were down. We were up three to one. Um, they came back, tied it, then took the lead. We're winning five three. JT Romuto clutch home run. Um, Bryce Harper clutch two run homers. Uh, both two clutch two run home runs on Sunday. Great win. And last night, I believe, was the win of the season. Yeah, I mean, it definitely, you look at that uh, Rocky series, and it kind of, you showed there was a lot of gut uh, checks inside that game. And obviously last night, um, I would say, I, I would agree with you, being I think that was the best win of the season, especially um, since that they did give it away and that they were away. And, you know, you needed someone to step up. And, again, they stepped up in now two games in a row. Uh, JT Realmuto is really coming in um, and showing everyone why uh, he's one of the best catchers in baseball, if not the best. I agree totally. Uh, just behind the plate, uh, and uh, just a huge impact in the plate. So another point I wanted to make is the defense. Not so hot in the Rocky series. Yeah, Realmuto. Uh, you know that's. As a catcher, you, you look at it and you, you kind of see there, there's going to be games when you don't, you know, that's just not his ability. But, I mean, his ability to throw out batters um, or base runners is, I think it's it's one of the top in the league, if not the top. I mean, he's able to, um, I think, just command the pitcher and really can, uh, help their abilities to win these games. And I think that's what's the biggest thing coming out of this. Yeah, for sure. I wasn't necessarily mentioning Real Muto, but Sean Rodriguez, Odubel Herrera, um, Cesar Hernandez, Gene Segura, all botching plays 
routine plays that kind of cost the Phillies, could have cost the Phillies certain points in that Rocky series, just as it cost them in the Brewers series. Um, on on Friday, I believe Mark Coy was a pretty good game, although he gave up a two-run homer to Ian Desmond uh, later in the game. Phillies hung on in that one, um, five to four. It was a great game to watch. Um, I thought he worked his way, he, although he made a mistake on that pitch to Desmond. Pitched a good game on the mat. Um, Jared Eikhoff on Sunday, not great. <laughs> I mean, although although he uh, it was Jared, Jared Eikhoff was on Sunday, correct? Uh, I'm checking now to kind of see what it was. I believe he was on Sunday. Yes, he was on Sunday. Yes, so seven five. Yeah. Uh, yes. Um. So he didn't pitch a great game. Gave up five runs, I believe, or four runs or five runs. Um. Didn't locate well, but thankfully our our studly offense was there to back him up. Yeah. Um. I caught. Yeah. Left four runs in that game and only five strikeouts through five innings. Um. And, and, you know, he was pitching, and I think it was kind of a little bit of us as the media kind of looking at it as, you know, Jared Eikhoff is the fifth um, he's the fifth pitcher in this rotation. He's not obviously higher in that because of this reason. You know, obviously he's going to have days where he's commanding pitches and really throwing um, with a lot of power behind it. Um, but that's not his style. So you look at it, and there's going to be games where, um, obviously, in that role he's, he's going to let up runs. And, this offense, again, is going to need to step up when that game happens or when those games happen um, throughout the season. I think they've done a good job so far, and especially I think uh, Sunday was a good example of how they're able to bounce back and uh, really uh, improve this offense and then, again, prove their record for the season. For sure. And that was talk about the Rocky series. Uh, I think we need to get on to talking about the awards of the week. Um, who... Who was your pitcher of the week for you? Um, I would I would say Aaron Nola would be my pitcher of the week. You know, as an ace coming back in, and you know, he to say he's been struggling this year I think would be an understatement. Um, going in on Saturday against the Rockies, only letting up uh, one run on that home run. You look at it, and you know, there's dominance coming back into it, and obviously it's been inconsistent so far, but I think it's been huge so far. I mean, 12 strikeouts. Um, to tie his career high, I think is uh, definitely a good sign. And um, moving forward, I think if they can keep at least a good um, Nola coming in, this team's going to be definitely moving forward. Uh, sure. I actually I have to agree with you that my picture of the week is Aaron Nola. Yeah, there wouldn't be that much disagreement on it. It seemed like that one was a pretty obvious uh, picture there. Well, yep. 12 strikeouts tied his career high. Impressive, impressive stuff. And my header of the week is Bryce Harper. Surprise, surprise. I believe you could have gone Harper here or Real Muto. Um, what's your answer? Yeah, since you went Harper, I'm gonna, I just, I'll am gonna. i go with Real Muto. I mean, coming up with a lot of clutch uh, home runs and really contributing on the uh, every end of it um, throughout the games this year, this week. For sure. And um, even, even though... Uh, Rimuto only has six home runs. It seems as though they've all been meaningful, big home runs that either give Philly some big padding or or 
you know, um, truly make a difference in the game. Yeah, there's a lot of clutch hits from Real Muto this year. I mean, you even, I mean, it's Hoskins kind of um, in a little bit of a slump, I would say. Um, Real Muto's coming up and really making those clutch uh, home runs that a lot of times uh, Reese was the one that was hitting. I think that really shows to you how much um, his ability to win the games, and even if, again, like if it's a pinch hit home run or if it's something small, that's something that the Phillies needed from him, and he's been able to deliver so far, which I think uh, speaks a lot to um, the player that he is. Sure, and he's thrown out, I mean, just an insane amount of runners. I don't know if it's due to the fact that Phillies pitchers such as Zach, uh, Jake Arrieta have a slow mood going to the plate, but, I mean, it certainly is impressive. Um, it's, yeah. He has he has 18 caught stealing, whereas the next closest is is nine. Several several catchers are tied with nine. That's half. I mean, that's it's ridiculous. Yeah, it speaks a lot to uh, his abilities, and I think it also speaks to this team. You know, being that they're running, um, that the Phillies are there's a lot of runners against them. It shows the position that. Other teams are going to have to run to get their players in position because um, of some, I mean, I would say a lot of great bullpen pitching so far. I wouldn't say great, but uh, good bullpen pitching. And then obviously starting pitchers have done relatively well. So uh, teams feel eager to um, run against them. But obviously, as uh, Real Muto uh, has shown, you shouldn't really do that because most of the time so far he's been able to throw them out. Yep. Um, it's mean as I said, it's still really impressive that um, this, uh, that this rotation has gelled with him so quickly. I mean, it shouldn't come as that much of a surprise as he's been uh, he's been known around the league as a veteran type catcher that you know he puts a ton of work and ton of work in um, so much that all catchers have to do is actually you know exactly how to call the game and everything. So. No, he he's really he couldn't have been any better in my eyes so far. Yeah, there's a lot of things you know. That is obviously just as you mentioned, um, they do stand out compared to the rest of the league. But also his again, like you said, leadership, um, kind of similar to I would say like Chase Utley, that quiet leader that's also um, contributing to a lot of these um, great pitch outings that they've had. You know, and that's something that the Phillies. You know, since Chooch, I, I guess you would really say, and maybe even, I mean, obviously the talent level wasn't the same, but Real Mudo still has the, his um, just leadership, I think, is something that goes past the stats and goes past kind of the measurable things, and it's really shown so far in their ability and starter pitcher, starting pitcher's ability to kind of really just be confident with their pitches. For example, uh, Jared Eikhoff, uh, really benefited as well as Jake Arrieta has had a relatively decent start to this year. So, I, mean, I think part of that you can have JT Olubuta to thank for that. As Jorge Alfaro, although he has potential to be a great player, he just didn't have that leadership where he would take the pitcher by the reins. Yeah, and a lot of that I would, I think, you know, would go with you know the maturity of the age. You know, obviously. Um, 
Alfaro was only in the league for a little bit. Um, meanwhile, Vilmudo has been in for longer. And also, Vilmudo has been on a Miami Marlins team that really the pitching really isn't comparable to the Phillies right now. Not saying the Phillies are weak or anything like that, but the Marlins pitching was bad. And I think that's definitely, I think JT really understands kind of the talent that a lot of these pitchers can have. And he's been able to get the best out of them. And that's something that you look at the season and they've needed it. And that's, that's just showing, I think, in uh, every day so far. For sure. And although Jake Arrieta is certainly not one of my uh, favorite players, um, last night he, he put in a good outing. Yeah, I mean, it was it was definitely, I think, a lot of emotions coming through that. Obviously his return or back again playing in Chicago. Um, and it wasn't a perfect outing. But he he only let up one run in the game, and that was enough for the Phillies to um, to attack on runs. And I think it was it definitely was a lot, little bit you know on the brighter side because obviously he was struggling a little bit um, in the last couple starts. But all of a sudden there he had only one run and then only um, and four strikeouts in that game. So it, it's something that you know you look at it, and the Phillies definitely are going to need Jake Arrieta, even if you know as you mentioned he may not be a fan favorite. Um, but he's going to be someone that's going to help define the season um, moving forward. I agree with you there. Um, last night, you Darvish looked unhittable until the sixth inning. Cesar Hernandez, other than Cesar Hernandez, who has been absolutely scorching in the month of May, he's second in, on, in batting average in the month of May in the majors, third in on-base percentage. I mean, this dude has just lightened it up. Right whenever the doubters came, right whenever the haters started to hate. I mean, he's taking it to another level. Yeah, I, you know, a little bit of competition does drive a long way, and you know, especially with Kingery back now, and obviously that's going to bring up an interesting conversation of what they do, and it may be, um, I believe you mentioned it last week, you know, kind of there, maybe they move Kingery to uh, outfield. You know, that's definitely something that, you know, Cesar has really won that position back, and playing like he 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 deserves the position and that's what he's done you know a lot of key hits and a lot of just consistency is really the one thing that's been showing so far and you know again last night for example I mean he was coming in and especially like you said you Darvish really isn't a pitcher that um the third time around is usually when these uh, batters start clicking on him but you know Cesar was able to in the first couple of bats to really just Hire him down so at the, at that third time and you know eventually when he let up some more runs uh, it turned out that the Phillies were able to click and eventually uh, help win the game. Yep, and and um, as we want to wrap that up, I will mention that King Reed is back in center field tonight. So um, we're gonna wrap it up and we're gonna head to network advertisement. Hey everyone. Tune in to Pinstripe Talk this Wednesday at 5. We go over everything going on in the world of your New York Yankees. We talk about the Yankees' injuries and who's coming back, who's coming back when, and how they'll impact the team going forward. We talk about guys like Aaron Hicks, who had his first home run yesterday, and Miguel Andujar, who's out for the season. How do these injuries impact the season? And James Paxton and Tanaka's ankle? How this all affects the team going forward. We talk about... Everything you want to hear in the world of the New York Yankees. Don't forget to tune in this Wednesday at 5 p.m. We go over everything you want to hear from us, Yankee fans, for you, 
Yankee fans. So tune in this Wednesday at 5 o'clock to Pinstripe Talk. Be there, Yankee fans. All right, we're back here at Fantastic. Um, now we're going to truly dive into the magnificence of JT Realito. So last night, let's highlight the game. So it was scored one nothing um, due to an RBI single by Anthony Rizzo, um, which scored Kyle Schwarber. Um, and they came up in the sixth inning. Realito uh, came up after Hoskins squandered in the bat and after a, a Harper walk and and McCutcheon got on base, I believe. Um, so Realito came out with with two outs and drove one up the middle. It's a really hard pitch to hit. And they they, they both I both clutch hits last night by JT were not awful pitches, but he, he just he made it work and he he truly took advantage of when the pitch was pitched. Um for example the one left down low he drove up the middle and the one up high he <laughs> for a long ride. So, what were your thoughts on um, the, the clutch factor of JT? Like, he seems he seems as though he's not a guy to get these emotions out on the field necessarily, get totally pumped up, such as Bryce Harper has and Reese Hoskins has, but you can see the dugout erupt whenever he, he had that huge hit, and it was certainly clutch as well um, with that RBI single. So, I mean, he, he is turning out to be a pretty clutch dude for the Phillies. Yeah, definitely. I think that definitely showed last night his ability to just hit um, when the Phillies needed it and, you know, the versatility of that he's able to um, hit with, you know. And you look at it, and Bryce Harper obviously um, was uh, doing well, obviously, on um, the uh, Rocky series. And, of course, they needed um, – uh, as I mentioned last week, they needed someone else to step up with him or in the absence if, you know, if Harper gets on base and walks, you know, you need that Hoskins real Muto bats to start clicking because that's when you're going to get your most opportunities to score. And that's what real Muto, uh, real Muto did last night. And you look at it and the Phillies were in need of, I wouldn't say again, there's no must uh, need wins in the, uh, uh, in May, but that was a win that I think you really proved to a lot of people and to yourselves, of course, that you can win against some of the better teams and when you need to win, because that was a game that they should win, and they obviously had to lead a 3-1, they blew it again, but then they came back, and that's especially that's ex- um, exactly what you needed at that moment. Uh, for sure. Let's uh, highlight the ninth inning as well. Cuts with a great at bat. Mikel drove on opposite field power. I mean, Talk about a huge hit to set up the Segura hit. I mean, that was pretty close by Franco. Yeah, Frank, uh, you know, it's been a little bit, you know, obviously after that um, really historic hot start for an eight, um, eight hitter, uh, you look at it and, you know, that's, that's a hit that Franco's been able to hit throughout his career. You know, you look at it, that just power um, through his, that he's able to hold, and you know he's not um, obviously going up with it, and he's able to stay level, and that's the hit that you need. Because obviously, when you have players like uh, Andrew McCutcheon and Gene Segura following you, you know you're going to have opportunities to get um, a lot of runs in for yourself. So I think that's definitely um, it's definitely a big play, and obviously was needed to win this game. For sure, I, I, I totally agree. 
Um, and uh, if you saw the, you saw Aaron Nola get hyped, Zach Eflin, um, Gene Segura, Hector Neris, uh, JT hit that go ahead homer. And I, I always, I don't want to say I disagree with you, but it was almost a game that you felt like the Cubs should have won. And the Phillies never win those types of games. The games where they choke late and the ninth inning, they really need a big hit to get back into the game. And they did it last night. Um, it was a huge, huge, huge inning in the ninth. That mammoth homer by Ramuto to secure it. Um, the tenth. It, I don't necessarily think it was a must win, but it was a win that can really spark something special for this team going forward. Yeah, I definitely agree. And, um, you know, when I meant obviously must win, it was more of a win that really could have shown what this team's made of and really kind of when this team, you know, goes forward. And obviously this is a rough stretch that they're going through. Obviously going up against the Cubs and then the Brewers and then the Cardinals again, you're going to need wins like this that you uh, toughen, toughen out. And as you mentioned, obviously earlier, this isn't a, this felt like a game that last year's team would have lost. And, you know, when when you win, you're going up and then you go back down. It doesn't seem like the team uh, has the ability or at least the players um, that are capable of coming back in that moment. Um, but when you look at this, uh, you know, you go up 3-1 and then all of a sudden you're down again. You know, you needed a play and you need players to step up because obviously as much as JT did last night, you needed, like you mentioned, the Franco hit and then you needed the uh, Gene Segura uh, double, but then an out on a single. Then um, you look at that, and that's a team win. That's a win that you've shown that you know your eight hitter, and then you got your uh, you got your whole lineup and getting involved. That really was uh, the whole contribution of that win. Yep, um, Francis Dominguez really is just having a crapper of a season. Seems like he gives up a run every time he's in. Um, yeah, he looked dominant in his first inning, and he came back out in the eighth and just walked two guys, got a force out, and you know, got, got a, a ground out at first, which he was fortunate to get. And then the Descalso inside the Parker. I mean, I, I don't know. I do. I have no faith in Sir Anthony at this point. I'd rather have almost anyone else out there. Yeah, you know, I was questioning that. You know, that was something I uh, I noted when, obviously, Gabe Kapler meant, uh, brought back uh, Sir Anthony for a second inning, and that's something that I don't think that he's capable of, especially this year. And I think, obviously, uh, you mentioned the first inning. It was dominant. You know, he was able to control those pitches, and a lot of them were just playing nasty on those uh, inside corners. But, you know, when sending him out again, and I don't know if and they were originally warming up Nishak. I don't know if there's been anything official out on him yet. But, you know, obviously he had to go uh, sit down. I don't know if that was the plan maybe to put in um, Nishak or some other option. But, you know, you look at it, and I think Sir Anthony obviously has been struggling, and I think that would be one way to put it. But he's definitely got to get back into – I don't know what mechanically – if there's anything wrong or is it a mindset, you know, you look at it because it's pretty odd that one inning, obviously, he can be so dominant and the next, all of a sudden, this team, he blew up potential win for this team. So it's something that they got to look at. And I don't know if it's rest or if it's something that they got to figure out because if they need to move on from another um, relief pitcher, then obviously there's going to be other options that this team's going to have to invest in moving down the road. 
Uh, for sure. And another uh, uh, a guy that I've seen who just promoted to AAA, his name is J.D. Hammer. Um, in double A this year, he's 1-0, two saves, and a 1.77 ERA. He just got promoted to the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs. So that's a guy to, to watch. Um, I think you might, you might see him come up sometime in the next month or two if the Phillies need another, need another arm is Arado and Ramos and Robertson and Hunter all injured. Yeah, you're going to, I mean, as you mentioned in the farm system, you're going to have to look at other options. Um, if these, um, if the players are going to stay um, either uh, reliant or if they're going to just be injured. And a lot of this, I think, depends on um, David Robertson, on his ability to stay healthy and then um, obviously, obviously come back and start winning because that's the ability, that's the need for this team right now. Um, I think a player that they can go to, and obviously it's been Adam Morgan so far, but I think they need another player that they can look at and say, this is, get us to shut out this inning. And I think if Robertson can come in and do that, this team is set. I, I would be, I would be pretty surprised if this team, you know, bullpen becomes more of a problem if Robertson does come in and plays as if what, or plays as what they were paying him for this off season and you're going to look at it and this is going to be again another defying player that's going to make or break this season in the essence that are they going to have to look for another option uh, for sure and there, there are some starting pitching options I personally think starting pitching is more of an issue than the bullpen but um, I, I think it's a huge huge deal that this bullpen has had a lot of success because of JT and the starting rotation is overperformed, in my opinion, because of JT and, as well. Um, guys such as Eikhoff, I've won two complete games so far. He's been otherworldly. He gets to start tonight, so we'll see him tonight. Another note I want to make is I saw this stat today by Corey Seidman. Um, Ozubel has a 270 on base percentage in the last calendar year. That, that's pitiful. Uh, you just can't have that. You just can't have the kind of production on your starting center fielder. But I think Scott Kingree, it's his job to, his job to steal. Um, Odubel is just proving that he, he can't do it, you know? Yeah, and that's, you know, it's definitely a sign for concern um, for his position. Um, you know, 270, Bryce Harper can um, get away with 270, or your other power hitters can do that. To say it simply, Odubel's not putting. That's the all base percentage. Like, yeah, that's, that's awful. I mean, it's 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 really bad, especially considering you know what he's going to mean for this team batting. You know, originally he was batting six, and then obviously Kapler's moving him down, which is never a good sign, um, unless obviously you know you're a star player and you need a little bat later. Um, and I think I agree with you with that it is Kingery's position to win, and um, or Kingery's position to really take and. We'll see what they do with him because obviously the defense after last night, and I don't, I don't know if that was last night's play um, when obviously there was the uh, inside the park home run on that ball that got past both McCutcheon and Dubal. I don't know if that was more communication, but it seems a lot often when Dubal's in center field, those kind of plays happen. And you know if your defense isn't um, good enough and you're not a leader out there, and then you're also hitting not um, poorly that poorly as you mentioned. You can't keep a player in there, especially considering what this year means and how much these, uh, this team has given up to win this year. You know, they're, they're a team that needs to win 
um, they can't have a t- uh, player that's performing that badly and just hope that he gets out of that slump. Um, I totally agree with you. It was totally his fault as well. Obviously, the country did his best to get to that spot, but I just, I don't know. At that point, he had to be there to back him up, you know? And it's kind of unacceptable that that um, the ball got passed both of them. Yeah, and I mean, that that's the play that, you know, cost, it could have cost them the game. And, um, you know, that this, of course, as we mentioned, it's in May, and so you know this. This uh, the meaning of this game obviously is uh, lessened. But if this is October and that's a play that you know that's happening, that's unacceptable, and that could potentially lose you a series, or, or I mean, it could set you off for a team that could have gone so far. Then you know a play like that sets you down, and that's something that the Phillies are going to need to fix. And if Scott Kingery is the Scott Kingery is the player that can fix that, then they have to move um, him there and. They're going to have to at least uh, find another option, if not. Um, I totally, yeah. Scott Kingery has the speed, um, great range, in the infield, great range in the infield. So, I I don't see how Scott Kingery's skill could not translate to to um the outfield. And on that note, um, we're going to go to another network advertisement. Hello, everyone. This is Sal from the Amazing Mets podcast. I hope everyone tunes in this Thursday to listen to me and Tim talk about all Mets. We're going to be talking about the Mets' offensive and defensive struggles, Mickey Callaway's job being in jeopardy, and also Joanna Cespedes getting another injury, injuring his ankle in, at his ranch in Florida. So don't forget, guys, this Thursday, tune in, listen to us, me and Tim, all Mets baseball, nothing else. I'll let you guys go back to this show, but don't forget, this Thursday, Mets. Amazing Mets podcast. All right, so back to FanCast. And statistically, the Phillies have the third best bullpen in the league. I mean, if that's not that's not something you're impressed with, I don't know what you could be. The Phillies have bullpen concerns coming into the season. And that's about the injuries to um, Victor Arano and Dubrai Ramos and David Robertson, the big free agent acquisition. So, so far, who has really impressed you? It has to be Adam Morgan, you know, a player that so many times last year, you know, you got so frustrated with because it just, was, it just wasn't clicking for him that year. And a lot of the pitches just seemed, you know, it just seemed like meatballs throwing it over. And, you know, there was a little bit I, – I wouldn't be surprised if he wasn't smiling a little bit after that um, Jason Hayward strikeout. Obviously, last year he had the um, grand slam off of him. You know, I think Adam Morgan is going, you know, he's a player that I, don't, I personally, I don't know if how many people did, but expected him to be, you know, the best closer or best uh, bullpen pitcher for this team. He's been huge because of the ability that how consistent he is and how, you know, the ability for him to go in, um, in games and just get an out or get two outs or complete an inning. That's something that I think a lot of, I, personally, again, it surprised me on his ability. And, Adam Morgan definitely is the first guy you think of. Also, Hector Neris. What a studly season he's having. Striking out guys at an absolutely insane clip. Um, and Juan DiCazio as well. Although he had that one bad start, um, that, that one bad appearance in Denver, um, he's, he's down his, his ERA down to 3.3. 
which is quite impressive. Yeah, um, and to on to speak on Nares, I mean, no matter what he's going to do this year, I'm still going to be terrified every time he comes into our game. You know, there's always that ability for him to just be like, you know, just to go convert back to the Nares that we've seen a couple times. Um, you know, he's he's of course, I mean, so far it's been all positive or majority positive. And as you mentioned, Alvarez, you know, a player that has been up and down this year, but you know, trending upwards in the last couple of outings for him. You know, that's something that you're going to need from this team. You know, there's, a, of course, the bullpen naturally is going to have bad outings. But if their ability to come back in in games and just, you know, get the results they need, and if, no matter if that's an out, you know, whatever that is for that team in that, in that situation, they need those players to come back and kind of forget their last start and come in new and uh, come in with the mindset they just got to execute on their pitches. Oh, uh, all right. Um, so yeah, for sure. You said Jose Alvarez is trending up, um, although he struggled mightily um, at the beginning of the year. So, so um, one of the said lowered the area three point three. Hector Neris under two. Um, Adam Morgan. Oh, excuse me. I meant Nicasio. Sorry, <laughs> mentioned Alvarez. My bad. Uh, Nicasio. My bad. Oh no, Nica- No, you're, you're correct. Though. I mean, Nicasio certainly has been trending down, but Nica- uh Alvarez has been as well. So, um, I feel that. Um, as in the bullpen, as I said earlier, I think JT Romuto had a had a big deal. Um, had a had a big deal to do with the bullpen success. Um, you need a lot of confidence. Um, going into a uh, uh, a bullpen scenario or a bullpen situation. Um, so JT Romuto has made such a lasting effect. On this, uh, on this team already. I mean, such a huge, uh, huge effect on this team already. I can't see how um, this trick could, could, um, can end up. Right, right now, at least, it seems as a great trade. Uh, Jorge Alfaro is having a meh year in in Miami. He has been a source of one of their home runs, although they haven't hit many. Um, Sixto Sanchez is not having a great year. I was never a huge fan of him as a prospect. I always thought he was a tad overrated. So I was happy when the Marlins accepted the deal with JT Utah as him with him as their centerpiece. So what are your thoughts on uh, you think it's a new pitching coach that contributes to our bullpen success? You know, it, it may, and obviously that kind of the new face that's in the lineup, kind of getting a new um, ability, a new uh, player or a face or, a, a, excuse me, a voice that's in the lineup, um, I think, of course, it helps. And I think when you look at it, and obviously with the addition of a top-tier pitch, uh, catcher um, in JT and also their ability to kind of just come in when they need to, and I think Gabe Kapler's done a, overall a good job handling this um, lineup uh and oh, excuse me, bullpen this year. So I think that definitely contributes to what their success has been so far. 
Um, and to kind of shift gears, if you don't mind me asking, um, obviously uh, there was some news, obviously, in the uh, NL East this week, obviously with Cespedes being out for this year and then uh, the Mets kind of really falling off a cliff, you know, with the Marlins coming in and taking a couple games from them. And obviously the Braves are still in it, but the Phillies are right now two and a half games above um, in the NL East um, and then six and a half from the Mets. Um, I wanted to ask you kind of what do you think um, – Right now, how do you think this NL East plays out for the next couple months? Well, the Mets had an easy schedule heading into things. So, um, truly, um, truly, I believe that the Mets are sort of falling out. Um, The Nationals, I still think, still have a little bit left in them. The Braves' offense and pitching. I said earlier, I predicted the Braves, in my standing prediction, I predicted the Braves to be under 500 um, for the year. But recently, they've called up some prospects, and those prospects are performing quite well, um, such as Mike Soroka and Max Freed. Both are just having great seasons thus far. Um, so if they, get, if they get some pitching, and they need at least a little bit of bullpen help, and they'll be on to they'll be off to a good 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 start, a good track. Yeah, I definitely agree. You know, going into the season, I actually were, I was I thought the Mets were kind of really with that pitching lineup. I thought they were going to be you know the team that the Phillies were going to have to go up against. And as you mentioned, the Nationals. I mean, they're nine games back with only nineteen wins this year. Um, it's pretty you know, it's kind of funny you know a little bit obviously. Um, going to the season, a lot of people were predicting, you know, and it was kind of crazy how many people were kind of just underestimating that Harper um, loss. And, you know, obviously, I don't think his value to the team kind of was appreciated, at least by the fans as well. Um, I think a lot of people were kind of overstated that. And I think for the Nationals especially, you know, they don't have an identity right now. You kind of look at the team and you say Max Scherzer, but then he's only, you can't have your top player in the face of your franchise being there for only one game out of five, obviously, being a starting pitcher. And then, as you mentioned, the Mets, um, this team, I mean, the, the, lot, the amount of money that they have tied up um, around their system, is, it's, it's pretty crazy, you know. And there was a funny story, and obviously it's not a story, but more of like a realization that the Mets um, GM right now is, of course, um, used to be um, Cespedes' um, uh, agent, which is kind of funny because that's the deal that got him all that money, um, three years ago when he was started that four-year contract with the Mets. And now, you know, you look at it, and he may be the same uh, person that's going to have to take that contract away from him. I, I think that's pretty funny. You know, as a Mets organization, you know, you're, you're – uh, there's a lot of dysfunction, I would say, would be um, the best word coming out of that team right now. Um, I agree with you. Assessment is, I mean, you really don't like to laugh at injuries. It's laughable the contract that they gave to him. He he makes the most money on their team, and he hasn't played. He's played somewhat like twenty something games in a total of two years. It'll be. It, it, it's just getting out of kind of getting out of hand for them. The the front office situation, the Will Ponds, which are their owners, are terrible. You compare them to John Middleton. I mean, John Middleton is just an amazing owner compared to compared to them. Uh, Mickey Calloway. I mean, their whole season is in shambles. And that's my least favorite team, so I really don't hate to see it. <laughs> I don't hate to see their collapse. Um, so it's looking it's looking like, uh, yes, uh, 
actually 38 games the last two years for Johannes Cespedes. I just got a note. Um, so, I mean, he gets over $26 million a year, which is more than Bryce Harper makes. And, you know, it's hard. It's a hard contract to justify if you're left in office. As they don't, they don't dish out huge contracts very often, but they did to um, Jordan Cespedes. They're paying what was it, Cano, a huge contract, and you know, um, we'll see. We'll see where it goes from here. Yeah, I, I think it's speak for a lot of Phillies fans. I don't mind to see it either. You know. Um, you know, it's crazy to think that this team was in the World Series only, what, four years ago, 2015, and how far they've come from that point. And, it's, you know, it's a little bit scary, but also a lot of optimism, you know, coming from, again, looking at the Phillies fan, two years or four years ago in 2015, this team was, you know, unbearable with the amount of contracts that they had lined up and kind of the talent overall, and there wasn't really that much hope. And now you look four years later, this team could be, you know, either right now at least um, still in first place in the NL East and could make a run in the playoffs. You know, that's it's you know the development of years and kind of their ability to just bounce back. And, you know, a lot of it, as you mentioned, is the ownership that the Phillies kind of more aggressive in the last couple of years. Yep. Um, it's it certainly is seeming like the Phillies are poised to take back that NL East title, either them or the Braves, if they if – they, um, that they owned first from what was it, 2007 to 2011? Uh, what, what a historic stretch! And hopefully, the Phillies can start that something such as that this season. Yeah, you know, that, that, I wouldn't mind that. Uh, obviously, um, you know, an opportunity right there, and this year included. You know, you hope that this team can keep it up, and you know, you have no, you know, there's going to be obviously that balance of um, expectation and opportunity that they're going to have. Now, obviously, be the expectation now to really, as they continue to make the playoffs, and then the opportunity is what can you do when you're in there. That's going to be definitely an interesting uh, kind of argument or kind of decision that they're going to have once they're in those points. For sure, and they've been absolutely—they've been absolutely up the plate lately. Clutch hits, two out, two out hitting—it's been very impressive. It really has. I mean, you look at this team, and they're just – it's really – as you mentioned, the two-out hits, the resiliency, their ability to just come back um, in games or just to take games over has really been impressive this year. Oh, I, I, to- I totally agree with you there. Um, this team compared to last year, um, the offense is way more dynamic than it was. And I truly – I truly can't see the team of last year, as you said, winning last night. We lost so many games, such as that with Sir Anthony blowing the lead and us not being able to um, get get any hits at the end. So, I mean, it, it certainly feels good right now. Definitely. I mean, after a win like that, you got to feel good. Um, you know, as you mentioned, the team of last year, um, it's interesting to see how this team handles it because – and in all honesty, they're in, they, this is like a similar position as last year. Obviously, the talent in the lineup and everything seems different, but, like, you know, the team, again, was in first place in the same time last year. And then as the year went on, um, as we got into summer, and then, of course, in that August month, they collapsed. And so it's going to be, you know, the talent-wise, they're going to have to 
really just prove to everyone right now that this team is different than the last one. I think a win like last night really shows how well this team's been able to adjust and kind of to see where this team can go in the future and hopefully that they can start taking um, a little bit more of a lead, 2.5, two and a half games up, of course, in the Braves. A little bit more, I think, would be a little bit, uh, a little more comfort, uh, of course, help. All right, we want to thank you for joining in this week on FanCast. Uh, let's hope the Phillies continue in the right direction in the series against the Cubs in Wrigley. So thank you for listening. Ah! Hold on, wait a minute. Y'all thought I was finished. When I bought that ass tomorrow, y'all thought it was winning. Catching on these n****s, I'm like Papa on his finish. Double M, yeah, that's my T-Rose. Ain't this catching on Lieutenant. FanCast is produced by Benson Fector. FanCast is a production of the Baseball Podcast Network. Be sure to give our host a follow on Instagram, Isaac, at phillies.focus, with a PH, and Mason, at philadelphia.sports.chronicle. Follow FanCast at FanCastBPM. For more FanCast content, be sure to head over to our website at baseballpodcastnet.com. Follow the official Baseball Podcast Network Social media accounts, Instagram, at Baseball Podcast Net, Twitter, at Baseball Podcast One, that's P-O-D-C-A-S-1, YouTube at Baseball Podcast Network, and SoundCloud at Baseball Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in to FanCast. We'll see you next time.